Hi, good afternoon, uh, Ian. Welcome to Downtown in Business, the uh, the Brummy Den. Uh, fantastic to catch up with you as a member of Downtown in Business and just really, actually, did a bit of a drinking buddy, but let's step aside from that. Let's keep it sort of professional for this bit and we'll talk about what we're doing, what's going on and things like that. Going to uh, invite you to, you know, to introduce yourself. So just a little minute or two about you, the company, and then the next thing I'm going to come on to is a little bit of history that takes us here and then we'll go from there. So welcome, Ian. Good to see you. Thank you very much. A um, little bit about myself. I, um, sorry about this. This is my first faux pas. A um, little bit about myself. I run Grow House. I've been coaching for the last 10 years. Um, and for me, work, the work, what I get out of the work we do is just the pleasure in walking alongside people as they grow and develop their businesses and as they grow and develop as people. Mm, okay. So where did the name Grow House come from? Is that the mindset of watching people grow and everything else like that? Or am I just... Yeah, that's, exact, that's exactly it. It's, it's uh, the idea of this is a place where we help people to grow as individuals and as businesses. So tell me about the business. How long have you been in business? Grow House has been going about three and a half years. Um, okay. So it was a business that formed when uh, my, my business partner, Robert, uh, and I had a chat and said we ought to do something together. So we bumped into each other on a number of occasions uh, on projects and found that we had a very very similar viewpoint about training and, and coaching that it needed to deliver real business results. Um, Robert's background uh, had been in growing businesses and he'd seen businesses gain investment and then almost breathe a sigh of relief we've got the money we're there and and his uh response to them was to say well hang on a minute this is where the hard work starts mm. uh, and he'd seen too many uh companies offer training which ticked boxes but yeah. um didn't deliver the results and my interest has always been in doing stuff that starts with what the business needs so if somebody comes to us and starts talking about training, the first question is, well, what is it that you want to change in the business? What do you want to achieve in the business that's led to you asking this question? Because then let's, let's then build the training to deliver that result rather than just give you something that we've done before. I mean, that's fascinating to understand that it's just by training because one package doesn't fit all and that sort of thing. That's a, I mean, it, it's all about your entrepreneurial journey, isn't it? So yeah. where you started so what is your background prior to being a consultant by so i spent 18 years as a minister of the church uh, okay. i was ordained when i was 21 so a really young starter in that uh, and during that time i got interested in nurturing the next generation of leaders and that led on to then having a part-time position as head of pastoral studies in a college and uh speaking at conferences in Europe and Africa um, and then after 18 years needed a career change so coaching and leadership development development were just a natural progression for me um, which is it's really interesting I, when I first started a business my uh, somebody in my family said to me 
people like us don't own businesses. And I was, I was in the middle of getting some qualifications as a coach uh, when I got faced with this, people like us don't do this sort of thing. And I remember going, uh, this hit me one day, I was, I was on a training course and I, this thought that people like us don't own businesses really. <laughs> so I, typically me, I went home uh, that night, went online and spent about 50 quid setting up a company which then sat dormant for six months, but now nobody could ever say to me, people like me don't own businesses, because I had one. Um, yeah. So I set up my first business, that was 10 years ago. Um, that business, we actually did the biggest leadership development program in Derbyshire under the old uh, government funded leadership development just, uh, fund. Uh, that was with a tech company, we took 10, people and help them step onto, up into leadership they during the training they formed three teams each pitched a project to improve the business to the ceo uh, and six months after we we left the business speaking to the ceo all three projects were still ongoing so that was just brilliant result i think for me what i understand or what i recognize probably from my journey is, as well is somebody said oh you can't do that. People like you don't do that. So you either sit down and go, okay, or you go, actually, we can. So you've taken a challenge there and you've led there. So being a minister, what have you taken? What, have, what learnings can you bring from being a minister into the entrepreneurial and the business ownership sort of world? So this is where uh, my partnership with Robert's really important. So for me personally, uh, this is where I always focus on the developing the individuals and the and the teams so my my personal role is not to give advice on how you should do things it's to get alongside you help develop your teams help develop um you as a person uh, i'm not there to be the expert i'm there to get the best out of you and your teams so for me my focus is very much on the, the people side of stuff uh we then have robert who has built and run a number of successful businesses um and we have other associates some of whom are downtown members who we pull in who we can pull in to give that specific <laughs> advice when it's identified that that's what's needed so has downtown in business been good for you over the, the few years that you've been a member yeah it's, it's been really good we've built some good connections we've met it's been really good in building our profile in birmingham um and I think part of where we got to um, in the stuff we've done during lockdown has been because we looked and said, well, Grow House seems to have a good reputation. We as individuals seem to have a good reputation, but maybe we need to be a bit sharper on the message and why we're different uh, to other companies that do similar things. Uh, so we've, uh, so yeah, downtown's been really good for us in that sense. So fantastic! Thanks very much for the plug of downtown in business. <laughs> Hopefully, Abby and, and and myself have served you well. So Wayfinder, talk to me about Wayfinder. What is it? It's a mindset, and it and it's a way of communicating. It's yeah, like, so it's, it's a it's a set of principles. So we at the beginning of lockdown, I set myself the challenge of. Uh, Re looking at how we communicate what we do so I, I contacted a number of clients who we've worked with over a period of time and I said to them 
what is it you value about working with us and how would forget all our blurb how would you describe what we do and um, had a number of conversations around that with clients and realized that what people were getting out of it was this I, this sense of us uh, accompanying them on a journey asking them challenging questions pointing out things they hadn't perhaps noticed that changed the way they were thinking and and so i be, i then came up with this word wayfinders or wayfinding only to discover it was already already existed um as part of the design of public spaces and in, and there are principles in the design of public space that really fit well into thinking about how we navigate our journeys so the seven principles are first of all define your destination understand where you want to get to mm. And the clearer you can get that, obviously, and the clearer you can understand why you want to get there, the better. Next thing is then understand where you are in relationship to where you want to be. Yeah. Get a really clear and honest view of where you are now. And then once you've done that, you should be able to see that there are some key identifiable waypoints, landmarks, if you like. Um, so what are they and how will you... How can you use them to measure your progress towards your destination? Then you'll be able to look and say, well, there are certain points along this journey, I'm gonna to have to make some decisions. So what are those decisions? And how are you gonna, what will inform the way you make those decisions? Look at that, then you can start saying, okay, well, there are multiple possible paths to get from here to there. So what are the, what are the options? What are the possible paths we can take? And then once you've got that, you can then focus onto the immediate future, what's immediately in front of you, what are the things that need to be done right now, and finally choose your path and set off and get going. Uh, how, long would, how long would this last? So if, if I bring you into a company, typically how long would this last? How many people would it work for? And so it can, you think the outcomes would There's be? almost a how long is a piece of string question. Mm. So, uh, it's really going to depend on you. It could be just working with the business owner to get really clear. And that can be, it's not usually less than six sessions. So three to six months. Um, but it can be a lot more and it can become a, a much sort of longer lasting journey. So uh, CEO of one company I've been working with now for three years and it's not every month anymore but we now regularly have a conversation and just check in and, and do that and if we're working with teams then again what are you trying to achieve so we're not going to span it out spin it out longer than it needs to be but we want to make sure we deliver whatever it is the business uh, needs to achieve okay any uh, any major successes coming out of this yet any uh, testimonials, claims to fames? Um, so from wayfinding itself, no, because that's something we've defined during lockdown. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, we've already, we designed a leadership program, which we're hoping to run. It's probably realistically going to be next spring. Uh, and I've already got a couple of people who said, who've looked at the outline of that and said they want to be on that, which is, nice to have as a, a start yeah. and that's going to be a, a program on leadership but are, but using those seven principles as a as a framework 
Uh, I think that your uh, your reputation around the city uh, is pretty good. It speaks volumes for you and things like that. I am interested in the types of companies, what's your sweet spot of companies that you'd like to work with there? So ideally, probably companies that are 10 plus employees. So below that, we tend to be, it does tend to be working directly with the business owner. Um, once you get above 10 plus employees, what tends to happen then is you've built a really good business culture, the team functions, but it's all sort of happened naturally for you. Yeah. And then you get to that point where the team grows to the point where that starts to stretch and break. And now you have to, if you haven't already been doing stuff deliberately, you now need to do stuff deliberately to, to maintain the culture of the business. And then from there up to a, probably about 200 employees, 150, 200 employees, because at that point then they start getting internal HR function and uh, we, we can work there. We've had conversations right up to corporate level, but we think our sweet spot is before companies get to having internal HR. That's really interesting. So it's 10 to 250. So genuinely the, the SME sort of yeah. market. So what, 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 in your opinion, makes a good place to work? You know, how does, how do people interact? How, um, how do I walk out of a place and go, that's a good place to work. That's far better than the last two or three companies I've worked at. What, how do you, you know, how do you create uh, a good working culture? I think there's a there's a number of things. First of all, people need to know why the business does what it does. So I know that's a really trendy thing to say right now about mm. um, purpose in business, but I think it's it's trendy for a reason. I think we've we've realised that if you want an engaged team that where people come to work and enjoy being at work, they need to feel like they're doing something for a reason and not just to fill their bank account. And enable them to live outside of work um there's that thing isn't there work-life balance which is always a weird thing we know what it means but actually we spend so much of our life in work then surely we need to be living that life mm. um so people need to know what they're contributing towards they need to know how their specific role fits into the jigsaw um, yeah. Because quite often what happens is people get so tunnel visioned on uh, what they do every day, they lose track of how that contributes to, to the whole picture. They need to feel connected to people. So we know that people, a great place to work is a place where people are friends. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they need to be able to do what they do best every day. So one, another frustration people get is they have specific skills, specific interests, they get a job because they, and they think it's one that's going to enable them to do those things. And then they find most days they never get anywhere near it. And it just becomes really frustrating because they feel like even if they're doing a good job, they're not doing their best job because their best is something they, they don't get an opportunity to do. Um, okay. And, and then I think they need leaders who create the kind of culture in which other people thrive. So leaders who, who are focused on other people being brilliant. Uh, there's, there's a great quote from Alan Keith. Leadership is ultimately about creating a way for people to contribute to making something extraordinary happen. 
which I think is, that's it. It's about enabling other people to contribute to extraordinary things. I think there was another quote, and, and I forget who it was, there go the people I must follow because I'm their leader. It's the same sort of mindset, isn't it? Probably better coming from you than me on that one, far more elegant. Well, so we've just gone through unprecedented times, the, the, you know, the pandemic. Yeah. How's that affected your company? What have you done? What have you changed? And I know that you've created Wayfinder, but what else has happened in the world according to Growhouse? So creating Wayfinder was really important for us because it's really crystallised some stuff for us going forward in terms of what we do, what we're really good at, um, and how we define ourselves. Uh, we've also got this focus now on the three areas we work we we grow individuals we grow teams we grow businesses um we've launched a podcast this week called wayfinders right cool okay um and in that where would, a, where would a find a podcast so that's on our website growhouse gb uh growhouse gb.com okay. um, and it's currently going through that process of being syndicated out to all the the different places um and the idea is just to interview people on how they navigate life and business so how they get from where they were to where they want to be and mm. and to try and draw lessons out of that that we can all learn from as we hear people's stories uh, and then in september we are we've started getting together a small group to meet for lunch in birmingham uh which really gonna, we're just going to sit around the table and ask ourselves what's happening in our business um what we're seeing in our clients businesses and really it's just about uh understand if we can quickly understand what the new normal is by getting other people's perspectives then we can adapt quicker we're going to do that just for the cost of the lunch six people around the table um, that table's already over half full which is brilliant I was going to say you can add me to that if I if I can squeeze you. Yeah. Um, I think what's what's interesting for me is just so you've you've adapted your business to the business. You've gone into COVID. You've gone into lockdown. You've not sat on your laurels. You're successful at what you've done. You've actually reinvented yourself, created new products. You've gone out there, launched yourself. The podcasts are like. Who's going to be involved in the podcast? Is it guest speakers or is it just you and uh, Rob? I'll be doing the interviewing and, okay. then we'll, uh, and then we'll have lots of different guests, hopefully. Um, so our first guest, uh, I went to one of our top clients. So um, Andrew Kerwin, who is CEO of Excel Vets UK Limited. Um, yeah. uh, they manage a community of independent veterinary practices. Um, so I, I've taught the first episode we talked to Andrew about the journey the independent veterinary sector has been on and some of the things he's noticed and learned on that journey and, okay. and the idea will be to, to talk to a whole variety of people uh, so that people can hear how others are thinking and navigating through life and business and draw lessons from that. Excellent, and it's going to be kept for prosperity and that, and it's unavailable on your website. Yeah. Okay, so what's the, what's the future? Where are you going to take this business? Where would you like to take it? You know, and, and it's always a difficult question. It's a standard question. 
you're being interviewed. So <laughs> we'll decide whether you're going to take the position <laughs> as CEO of Grow House at the end of this session. At the minute, you're looking particularly good. Thank Where you are you going to see yourself in the future, Ian? What's the plans? So the, the, we've already started building towards that. So we've we've now got a group of associates around us. Some of those people are mm. uh, people who can do more of what I do. Um, yeah. But we've also then got specialists who can bring in uh, advice on finance, on marketing, uh, on stuff like that. And the idea would be to grow to the point where some of those associates are beginning to be brought in-house. Okay. Um, and to end up with a, a team of people who are delivering those services, not just under Growhouse's name as they are now, uh, but as employees of Growhouse. At my age, I've probably got 15, 20 years before I uh, decide to live the life of leisure. Um, and at some point in that time, I'd like to get to a point where I at least have a business that um, has value to, some, to other people to carry on beyond me. So I, whether or not that's a sale, mm. I, for me, it's almost more important that it carries on. It's almost a chairman's role for you, isn't it? It's your baby. You've got to make sure it goes right. I think Growers is it a franchisable model, do you think? Are people interested around the world the way we do business in Birmingham, in the Midlands, in the UK, do you think? It is potentially a, a, a franchisable model, yes. Yeah. If we can, if we can really get the wayfinding brand established as a, the way we work yeah. and, and really begin to get known as something as a company that does something different in the sector, then yeah, I think we've got a chance of franchising. I mean, if you look at the different cultures, Chinese culture, Indian culture and things like that, when I went to India to work in India, it was that they stopped for afternoon tea and things like that, because that's actually what they thought we did. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> so the, it's the, well, what do you do? You know, well, we do the yeah. same as you. We turn up at nine o'clock, we do this, and we go home at five o'clock. And, oh, okay. That's interesting. So I think the understanding of how we do things, why we do things, and stuff like that, and the way that you do stuff is quite interesting. Let's go in there. What about, um, the, the, you know, the, the, the pandemic and things like that? What have you learned? What have you learned from around that you think you're going to take to your clients? And the behaviour of, of people, the behaviour of your clients and stuff like that. What can you take from those two points? So I think going forward, one thing I think has become really clear is that um, flexibility is going to be the word. Um, Brilliant. So I, got, I went through a patch where I was reading lots of stuff about people predicting what the new normal is going to be. And what right. I learned was basically if you're trying to sell something, you're predicting that that's going to be the new normal. Um, and actually, we just don't know what, what the new normal is going to be. But what, what is becoming clear is that there are some people who are just itching to get back to the office and do things as they used to do stuff. And, and they're probably terrified by the idea of everything becoming homeworking. I know for myself, I've... This is this whole thing has underlined how much of a people person I am because I've 
Zoom and, and stuff like that is brilliant, but mm. I've just missed being with people. Um, mm. and, and there'll be lots of people who are just desperate to get back. But at the other end of the scale, there are going to be people who, for health reasons, can't come back. Uh, and that, you know, if it's the middle of next year before they start rolling out a vaccine, that's a long time. And if you think that there's going to be people across the entire spectrum be between those desperate to go back and those who can't for health reasons, then suddenly this isn't about just managing a remote team or just managing a team that's in the office or insisting on one or the other to different people. It's going to have to be a really flexible people-centered approach to yeah. managing your teams in a way that works for the business, but which really cares for the people. Um, and so flexibility and the ability to, to adapt is going to be key, I think, going forward. So we've gone through stages of where we needed everybody to be in a room, you know, as a manager, look at them, manage them and make sure that they were there you know, sort of thing, working every minute of the day to kind of give them the opportunity working at home and actually it kind of works quite well. Yeah. You know, that sort of thing, there's a trust there, there's professional, there's a few businesses that are thriving and there's a few people that are thriving. And I think that's quite interesting. I think the, the mindset towards how we do things is going to change completely. You don't need a big office, you don't need to be around. I bumped into some people and we went to some pools yesterday, some pools yeah. hotel. For a, uh, uh, we ended up having a drink, having a catch up, and things like that. It was interesting just to see everybody's mindset of, wow, isn't it good to see you? We've missed you. We haven't, you know, we haven't seen you. And I think there was two or three opportunities that were teased out, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. And, and you look around some pools, and there's four or five people sitting out on the laptops, and two of those had got office space on some pools that they'd given up, which I thought was quite interesting. Yeah. So this bit about the cohabiting space we've gone from a fixed office to cohabiting space to actually sort of working with a laptop in, in a facility like that that's acceptable yeah. so how are you gonna adapt what you're doing to you know your coaching and mentoring when people aren't with you you know you're going to be able so, to do this on zoom and and how how does that work yeah so the coaching side is is really easy we did a lot of that on zoom even before the pandemic so okay as much as i personally prefer being face to face with somebody in a space um it, it can be done um online that's that's not a problem uh the training side is is much more interesting and we're playing with all sorts of ideas about how to take how to make online training more engaging and participative so um so my observation i've done a number of webinars over the pandemic for clients and they, they're great they're useful but you'll know yourself the level of interaction is is quite low because of the technology and also as a speaker on them you're not seeing everyone's faces so it you're responding there's nothing to respond to um and 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 for me the whole joy and pleasure of training so i'm really conversational mm. in the way i do training i don't stand at the front and spout my expertise i sort yeah. of go here's something interesting let's talk about it and let's talk if it see if it will make a difference um and that's really difficult to do in a webinar so 
we've got some ideas about how to use the technology in a way uh, which would put some of that back in. One thing I know about myself is I need to be on my feet. So yeah. we're looking at how do we use the technology so that I get on my feet and, and the energy is different that way as well. Um, and we've had some interesting conversations with one client about uh, how we might use technology to do a hybrid event. So some people in a room socially distanced and others joining in um, online. Uh, so that'll, that's the interesting one. Mm. I think it's challenging. I think I'm really looking forward to the point where we can get people back in a room again and uh yeah that the, i mentioned the leadership program next spring the hope is we're going to take some people up to the lakes have five days training in the lakes including one day up on the fells being taught how to navigate by some experts um, and, and yeah to get back to the days when we can do that would be good I think uh, we've had enough of the Zoom bits. We've had enough of that. I think we need to sit in a room and sit in. Yeah, yeah there's, there's a really interesting thing about um, fatigue, the way people are getting emotionally fatigued mm. because of Zoom meetings, because Zoom's really good for that get the business done. Yeah. But it doesn't give you that same sense of personal connection and people yeah. are missing out on all those little conversations you have before a meeting after a meeting during a meeting yeah. um or being around a coffee machine or walking up the corridor and yeah yeah there was even i think it was in forbes or one of those magazines yesterday there was even an article by the chair of what used to be rbs um saying that he thought that the how did he describe it? I think he used something like relational capital that he has with his board will decline over time if they're not able to be in the same room. Um, yeah, okay. Well, uh, that, that's the catchphrase we'll have to remember. Right, so I'm mindful of our time here. Um, just what's your last three gems of advice? So unpaid gems of advice from Grow House from Ian just about what we should be looking at, what we need to be doing over the next six months in our business. Okay. So first of all, be flexible, be kind to, to the people. Um, Brilliant. Uh, that's, that's the first one. I think the second one was one which probably was behind everything we've done during the pandemic, which was, uh, it's a model I share with people quite on a regular basis. Um, and it's the circles of influence. So in the center, you've got the stuff you can, change outside of that you've got the stuff you can't change but you can influence and outside of that you've got the stuff you can neither change nor influence so the advice is don't focus on the outer circle focus on the stuff you can change and the stuff you can influence because that's where the energy is well spent and the third keep yeah. communicating communication is key to everything you can get everything right, and if you're not communicating, it all falls apart. Brilliant. Ian, Grow House, always a pleasure to sit and talk to you. It's surprising that we're, uh, we're sitting on a Zoom call. Hopefully, I'm going to be sitting with you face-to-face -face in, a, in a public place, enjoying your company as normal. Thanks yeah. very much for your years of support of Abby, me, and 
definitely for downtown and business. Been an absolute pleasure. Look forward to seeing you again. Thank Great. you very much. Thanks, Paul.